So it's in one. So it's in this moment, and I think all of us experience this in, in some degree that when we have moments like this, that quote unquote, are unexpected, that they become uh, un, moments of unsettling. And I think that's the thing I want you to say this morning is that in this, in this, right? We talked, and I was uh, I was doing a good job of being a pastor and a friend. But the flip side of me is like, oh my gosh, this is this is a lot, right? It's the it's that sense of of the unknown. It's the sense of the unsettling, um, and and the idea of like, even I was thinking about y'all and people are going, well, is there really more to the story? I mean, honestly, you can be honest with me, Steve. Is there really more to the story behind the scenes? Or people are like, oh my gosh, the sky's falling, right? And we have all these responses to anything in our lives that are overwhelming, that are unsettling, is that there's this this sense of like, oh, that affects who we are. And so as we came into this moment, I just began to and I began to I began to pray, and I was like, and God began to speak, and the word that He began to speak into the moment, it's just a real simple word. It was the word faithfulness. The word faithfulness. The idea that when we come into stress, we come into worry, we come into doubt, into things that are alive, the question we have to begin to ask ourselves, because it was the question I was asking myself, is, God, do I actually believe that you're faithful? Faithful, the word faithfulness is, and faithful is used 64 times in the New Testament. And it specifically speaks to how you would think of a faithfulness. It's the idea of, of someone who's made a commitment and now that person, in their commitment, they are dependable, they are reliable, and they are worthy of trust. And so the idea, the question we're asking then in this moment, the question I was asking, and the thing I was going to present before us this morning, is do we truly believe that God is ultimately at all times reliable, that he is ultimately at all times dependable, and that he ultimately at all times is worthy of our trust, I was—I told Randall we were talking several months ago. And we were talking about, you know, again, I'm just around people and hearing stories. I looked at her, and said, you know, my gosh, I said, I, I'm so thankful that in the in the almost 17 years of my of our marriage, I've never wondered or been concerned that she was not trustworthy and dependable and reliable in the context of the commitment that she made to forsake all others and be faithful to me as long as we live together. Like I said, I just can't imagine how overwhelming it would be to live life not seeing her or believing that she would be faithful to me. That would be overwhelming. It would cause me to be unsettled, right? It would cause me to, to have concern. It would cause stress. And so I begin to think about this, like, go, God, do, do I have that same level of confidence in your reliability, your dependability, and your trustworthiness? Because the idea was in this moment, God, I, I just, I could, I could sense myself going, oh, right? That whole journey you go on of the unknown, of the stress, of the fear and the worry and the anxiety. And I began to wonder, God, do I really, in my own tension, do I really believe that you are faithful? And so in that, God took me to Acts chapter 4. And this isn't, isn't this going to be, there's nothing obvious about God's faithfulness in this. But I'm going to pull out just four things from this very quickly this morning that I, I sense God speaking about in the context of his faithfulness. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit to the mouth of your servant, our father David. And David said this, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, 
Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. What I want you to recognize from the scripture, and this is why I felt God lead me, is that in the context of their life, everything's going great. Now, Jesus had died. That wasn't great, right? But he sent his spirit that we'd been talking about, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who would the exact replica to come and to be Jesus to them. So we have to believe in that moment they were satisfied, they were fulfilled in the context of the relationship with God, of the person of the Holy Spirit, and crazy things were happening. Ministry was happening. They were speaking in tongues. People were understanding them. Thousands were coming to Christ every day, right? They were sharing all of their goods and their possessions that to those who had need, and God was adding to them daily, and they had the favor of the people. This was a difficult season here, but God now brought them into a beautiful moment, into a beautiful season, and great things were happening. They're looking up going, oh my gosh, God's kingdom has come. Yes, we're moving forward, and all of a sudden, the leaders of the men, the leaders of the early church, Peter and John, the most visible of all of them, are now taken by the same people who killed Jesus. And all of a sudden, what happens? They're unsettled. Fear rises up. How do we know that? Because they're praying for boldness. You only pray for boldness when you're afraid. And they're experiencing this moment of unsettling, wondering what's going to happen here. And so what I want you to see this moment, like God brought me to this place to saying, I want you to see, Steve, this moment of unsettling for them. And he just pulled out very, there's lots of things you could pull out, but there are four specific things that God pulled out in the moment when I was in prayer. Number one was this. I was challenged that the very first thing they did is came together and prayed. They didn't sit down and have a, they didn't have like a meeting. They didn't have a brainstorming session of how to fix everything. They said, we don't know what to do. Let's go to Jesus. They didn't talk about it with their friends, right? They didn't conspire among themselves. They said, let's just, let's go to pray because ultimately God is the only one who understands. God is the only one who could lead in the moment, right? I realized my first response was not to lean into Jesus. My first response was to try to figure out how to fix this. I'm grabbing onto the parachute, like Gerilyn said, rather than saying, all right, Jesus, what is your plan and what are you doing in the moment? The second thing, I, and I love the language. She says they name that says, oh, sovereign God. Like, I don't know how often you think about God's sovereignty. Like, I'm not sure if it's a primary thought process for you, the thing that defines your thinking. I'm not sure how often. Like, I know in certain theological circles, like, people argue, for what degree and nature of sovereignty does does God have in the context of our lives, the decisions that we're making. But but the the thing we have to recognize is that, that in its basic landing point, it means that God is in control. It means that God is in control. It means that God understands exactly what is happening in every moment. It means that God has unrestricted power. It means he has complete jurisdiction. Like, do you remember watching Dukes of Hazard back in the day? 
you remember how when they would be driving, they would try to reach the county line because the police officer didn't have jurisdiction, and they would cross the line, and the police officer would stop and just put his hands up in the air because he couldn't do anything on the other side of the county line? God can keep on going, right? He has complete jurisdiction at all places at all times. It's the nature of God's sovereignty. He's in control. So the first question I have to deal with, do I truly believe God is in control, or do I only function well in moments when I feel like I have control. Isn't that the great tension? Isn't the primary reason of our unsettling because something is going in a direction that we understand? It's not changing. All of a sudden, it changes, and we're unsettled. Why? Because what we thought and expected and had control of immediately goes away. And I'm in the moment going, God, I have no control over this. I'm in the moment going, God, what do I do? Why am I spiraling? Because I can't fix, I can't control, I can't make happen what I want to make happen. And I realize that losing control, these moments of anxiety, these moments of despair, these moments of unsettling are really a gift from the Lord. They're a gift from the Lord for a simple reason. That's pointing us to the fact that God's saying, I love you enough to let you realize you actually have no control of anything. Only I do. Only I'm sovereign. And you're reaching the end is my gift to let you know you've been holding on a little too tightly. It leads us back to his sovereignty. In this moment, leading me back to his sovereignty. God, you're in control. You are good. The third thing it leads me to is is, is, is this point. There is not an expectation for them that everything in their life is going to be perfect. Like there's no expectation in their life that everything's going to be perfect. Think about it. They don't ask God to take away their difficult moment. They don't get mad that God has allowed the difficulty. They just ask God to empower them and give them boldness in the middle of it. How often do we get frustrated? And how, Even in my own life, I recognize so much of my tension with God is because I have an unrealistic, unbiblical expectation of life that God will shield and protect me from every hardship. And I don't know if you know, but you can't find that in Scripture. It's nowhere found. Nowhere say, give it to Jesus and everything's going to be perfect. And God's primary desire and goal is to make you happy. Scripture never says that. What does it say in Scripture? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he takes away all evil or because he is with us. He says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why do they not fear? They fear, they don't fear because God is with them in the middle of it. God doesn't say, listen, remember how many of you grew up singing this little song with Jesus in the boat? We can smile in the storm. Remember, sing that song. Raise a hand. Am I the only person in the world who sings? Oh my gosh, I'm, this is terrible. There's a little song. I'm going to sing it to you so you can learn it. With Jesus in the boat, you can smile in the storm. Smile in the storm. Smile with Jesus in the boat. You can smile in the storm while you're sailing home, right? And I sung that song all the time. You go with, with in the boat. You can end this whole thing, right? This is a great thing you sang all the time. This is great. It's a terrible song. Anyway, so it's funny. And so in the but I'm realizing, my like, gosh, like God. It's like with you in the, you, like I was building this theology growing up that with Jesus in the boat, I can make it through the storm. I wasn't saying with Jesus in the boat, I have no storm. And so the idea is I realized so much of my unsettling because 
I have an unrealistic, I have an unrealistic, unbiblical expectation that God's goal in life is to make everything easy for me. You find that in Scripture, and I will give you a million dollars. That's not their expectation. They had a realistic expectation of like, oh my gosh, the storm's going to come, but he will be with me. A hardship's going to come, but he will be with me. God, I had this moment. What do they pray? The very four things is there's an expectation of God doing powerful works of the Spirit. He says, in the middle of all this, it says, now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And they began to do that. And then Stephen got killed in the next chapter. But they still kept on doing it. The point I want you to begin to see is that as we come into these moments of unsettling, it's not that we just resign ourselves to everything being terrible. We resign ourselves to the fact that God will be with us and that he will move in power to produce miracles in the context of our life. That's what we come to. And so as we come into this moment, right, and you're like, like the dad, like, all right, is that really the real story, right? Or in the context of your own life, I have all of these things that are causing me to be unsettled, despair, depression, anxiety, stress, whatever it may be. And the voice of the Lord is coming and saying, listen, I want you to land with great compassion. Hear this. When I say this, like God's saying with great compassion, I want you to know my faithfulness. I want you to trust that I am faithful, that I'm reliable, I'm dependable, I'm worthy of your trust. The world is changing, but I am unchanging. Things will be hard, but I am unchanging and I am faithful. You don't have to worry about me being unfaithful. I am faithful. Yes, you may have unrealistic expectations, even unbiblical things, and I want to lead you to the place that in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your difficulty, I am there, right? You don't have to focus on the waves. They don't have to define you. I'm standing on them, and I'm willing to pick you up in the middle of the storm. Listen, with the wave, listen, with Jesus and Peter, the waves still would have been around. Jesus has happened to be there with him. So they didn't overwhelm him. He could have peace. In the middle of it, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no no evil because you are with me in the middle of the shadow, the death of whatever, the shadow of evil in the valley, right? And so this morning, I just want you to hear that. that I believe God wants to speak this word, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May this work, right, of making you holy. May your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He is sovereign. And he will do it. I'm going to invite whoever's leading worship this morning to come, Harvest and Jeff. And this morning, we're going to respond. And here's how we respond. I want you, number one, I want you just to be honest before the Lord. How about the question, are you... Are you being faithful in the moment? Are you understanding God's faithfulness? Is God's faithfulness alive and well? Is it moving in your life? Are you in a place of difficulty, of hardship? Is it a place of stress? Is it a place where you feel unsettled? Is it a place where you feel like you are sinking, right? And God this morning, with great mercy, with great compassion, he wants to meet you. No, no, no. I want to reveal my faithfulness that I am with you in the valley. You don't have to fear. In the moment of being unsettled, 
Maybe you have these unrealistic ideas of God or expectations of what he's supposed to be doing or how he's supposed to be moving. Maybe you've been telling God for a very long time what he's supposed to do. And maybe this is the morning you just say, all right, God, I've been telling you long enough what you're supposed to do. Why don't, why don't I take some time and listen to what you actually are doing? And we can put ourselves in line with him. Maybe this morning it's just being honest before him and saying, God, I want you to work in me, to believe again. Because maybe you felt let down along the way. God wants to speak this morning and just begin to awaken of, hey, I've actually been here the entire time. I am reliable. Father, this morning I'm asking Jesus as we come in, as we as many of us wrestle through Gerilyn and Rick leaving, because we wrestle through other things that are unsettling in our lives, maybe even overwhelming. I want to ask this morning for a gift of grace, Jesus, that you would awaken us to the fact that you have jurisdiction, you have lordship, you have authority in all things that you are sovereign. You're over all things. That you are absolutely and completely trustworthy, dependable at all times. And we ask this morning for those, Lord, who are wrestling, that you would speak life into them. Pray this in Jesus' name. I invite you to respond. I know it's getting late, so you may have to go. We're officially done with our service, and you can go as the Lord leads. But I want to invite you, if you're able and willing, to take some time and really allow God, as we worship this morning, just to speak into you the things that he's doing. Offering baskets available every Sunday for you to worship God through your tithes and your offerings. You give as the Lord leads. Communion available every Sunday so you can partake of the goodness of God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus, of his death and his body broken, his blood poured out for you. And maybe you just want people to pray for you. I have ministry teams available on both sides this morning to say, I'm having a hard time even praying for myself or anything that's going on. I just love for you to pray with me. They'd love to come alongside and just love on you and pray for you this morning. So with that, you respond as the Lord leads. If you have to go this morning, don't forget to grab one of those envelopes on your way out. Don't forget tonight, youth, we're at Seven Hills at 5. You guys have a great week. We love you. Don't forget to tell Gerilyn how much you love her as an encouragement for all that she has done. Be blessed.